Even though David was a man after God's own heart, he experienced hard consequences after his fall. And one of those consequences was a son in rebellion to his own throne, a son who was pushing him off the throne and would like him to be dead. You know, when we have a child rebelling against us, it can be one of the hardest things in the world. How do we navigate such times? What can we learn from this chapter in 2 Samuel 15? Well, we'll delve in deeper today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. And now he had captured the hearts of so many that it looked like this huge dilemma. And a messenger came to David and said, 13, the hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. There's a coup going on. He's taken 200 of your top men away. He's been chipping away at the hearts of the people. And we warned you. We told you. Reading between the lines. David said to his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, arise and let us flee. For otherwise, none of us shall escape from Absalom. He's killed his brother, and I think he'll do it again. David's basically saying, go in haste, lest he overtake us quickly and bring down calamity on us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And David was told by Nathan, the sword will never leave your house. And David is starting to think, you know what? Not only is my son trying to take over my throne, but it's risking the lives of everybody I love. How many times did David have to look in the mirror and say, oh, God, forgive me for my sin. Oh, God, forgive me for what I've created. Let us go. In John 14, after Jesus said some things to the apostles, some key things about heaven and who he was, he said, I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do arise. Let us go from here. I'm going to be betrayed. Who is it, Lord? Who is it? The one who dips in the bowl at the same time. And they said, is it me, Lord? They didn't know. Judas was a great actor like Absalom. They didn't even know it was him. A lot of people, when they picture Judas Iscariot, they think he had red bloodshot eyes, and you could see little horns coming out of his hairdo. Judas knew it all along. No, they didn't know it. He appeared righteous. What was really going on in Judas was going on in here. He was so good that not even the 12 apostles, or 11, knew it was him. So get out of your mind that Judas had a little, you know, tail coming out of the back of his robe. Uh Uh-uh. He was the ultimate hupakritas, the ultimate actor, and there's a lot of them out there, and Absalom was one of them. Man, he come to his father, bowed before him. He told dad, I'm going to go deal with a religious vow, but all along he had the intention of destroying his father's kingdom. Now, If you turn to Psalm 3, to your right again, here's another psalm during this time. And uh, in some of the cases of the psalms, you'll see a heading at the top of the psalm, and it will give you the historical context of when it was written. So take a look, Psalm 3. See the heading? A psalm of David when what? 
when he fled from Absalom, his son. So here we are. We can see kind of the heart of David. What was he praying? What was he thinking? What was he saying to God? Here's what he said. Oh, Lord, Psalm 3, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Remember, there was many people with Absalom. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. David's done. I don't know if you've noticed, Absalom's taken over. But thou, O Lord, art a what? A shield about me. You're my glory and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down. Imagine how tough it would have been to sleep the next night. And I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people. I don't care how many people he's got on his side. I won't be afraid who have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For thou hast smitten all my enemies on the cheek. Thou hast shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Thy blessing be upon thy people. Now, as great a warrior, back to 2 Samuel 15, as David was, he believed that one of the essential weapons in dire straits was prayer. Do you? Do I? Is prayer a last-ditch effort, or do you believe that one of the weapons of your warfare in spiritual warfare is prayer? David did. In fact, some of the more poignant psalms that really speak to our hearts were written when David seemed to have no way out. And you may be feeling like you have no way out. Let me just tell you that God's big enough to deal with the enemies that are multiplying. Then the king's servants said to the king, 15, 2 Samuel 15, 15, Behold, your servants are ready to do whatever my lord the king chooses. Now, there were faithful men that were around David. And they said, tell us what to do, and we'll do it. When Jesus was beginning to go through what's called the upper room discourse in John 13 and share with the apostles, and there was some heaviness, Peter said to the Lord, I will lay down my life for you. I don't care how many people are coming. I'll lay down my life for you. And Jesus said to him, will you, Peter? I tell you the truth. Before the cock crows, you will deny that you even know me three times. Peter couldn't imagine that. But the men who were faithful to David, and he, he, he did have men that were faithful, said, tell us what to do and we'll do it. They showed fidelity and faith. We'll do whatever my Lord the King chooses. That's what a Christian says, by the way. Whatever you tell me to do, that's what I'll do, Lord. We should come to the end of a day every day and say, I did what I did because you are my king, and I didn't do certain things because you are my king. That's what it means to have Jesus be your Lord. And so the king went out and all his household with him, but the king left 10 concubines. This is a bit of a head scratcher, but he left them to keep the house, which is going to backfire because later Absalom is going to ravage them as a statement that he is now the king. We'll see that later. For David, maybe it was a statement of faith anticipating his return. And the king went out and all the people with him, and they stopped at the last house. So now picture them. They're going out of the city. The city is set up on a hill, so you kind of have to go down a hill and back up 
If you're heading eastward, here's how it works. There's the Temple Mount is here. And if you're looking east, you, you look to the Mount of Olives. And you go down into the old city from what is believed to be the Temple Mount. You go down, and then you go back up again to the Mount of Olives. So that's what David did. He began to depart from the city. And the last house, kind of the last house on the outskirts, they stopped. Can you imagine that moment for a second? This was called the city of David. This is your city. Think of it this way. This is your property. This is my house. And I got to leave right now because my son's coming to kill me and take over. You imagine the emotion, the pathos, and they come to the edge of town, if you will, and stopped at the last house and did something like this. David had to be thinking, am I going to see this city again? Is my son going to usurp my throne? Is this part of God's disciplinary hand in my life? They stopped at the last house, almost like a Selah pause that we see in the Psalms. When Jesus left the temple in Matthew, he said, your house is left to you desolate. I wonder if David was thinking something similar. Now, all his servants passed on beside him, all the Cherethites, these are foreigners, the Pelethites who had become uh, committed to David, all the Gittites, you can think of uh, Gentiles here, 600 men who had come with him from Gath, passed on or crossed over before the king. David had commitments from Gentile soldiers and people who were foreigners, which anticipates the fact that in Christ, the Gentiles will hope. If you're not a Jew here, you're a Gentile. And in Christ, the Gentiles will hope. And David is a foreshadowing of the greater David. They're separated by a 1,000 years. King David foreshadows the greater David, the son of David, Jesus, the Messiah, and many Gentiles trusted in Christ. He went to the Samaritan woman. He dealt with the Canaanite woman who had a demon-possessed daughter. He went to the other side of the sea and delivered the man who had legion. And the man who had legion said, please, wherever you go, that's where I want to be. And Jesus said, no, you stay here and you tell your family the great things the Lord has done for you. And in the Decapolis, which is the 10 cities, the Gentile side of the lake, that man did his job. And Jesus fed the 4,000 later on that side. And so the king said to Ittai the Gittite, 19. What a cool name, Ittai the Gittite. <laughs> Print that on a business card. Why will you also go with us? Return and remain with the king. Now he calls Absalom the king. Why? Maybe a test, for you are a foreigner and also in exile. Return to your own place. Don't come with us. You came only yesterday, and shall I today make you wander with us? Well, here's the king speaking to these committed Gentiles. While I go where I will, I don't even know where I'm going. Look, this is a repeat of the Saul stuff, where he wandered in the wilderness and hid in caves from the crazed King Saul. David had to be saying, man, I'm doing all this all over again. I'm too old for this, Lord. Huh? Maybe 60? When I earlier in the wilderness, I was young. It was easy to jump down from rocks and hang out in caves. I'm 60. <laughs> you can only relate if you're around that number. Yep. It doesn't sound so good. 
A Winnebago sounds much better Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael Lance. I'm the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. Hey, I want to tell you something that's exciting happening here at the church. We have a college that we've started. We offer a two-year diploma in Christian apologetics and theology. We have two exciting classes coming up with great instructors. It's Hidden Riches of Church History from the Resurrection to the Reformation. And we have a class on Christian philosophy. How do we know what truth is? We're going to look at epistemology and some other subjects like that. Are you a working adult? Have you just graduated from high school and looking to go deeper in your faith? The tuition is very low and the instruction is excellent. And the classes start in July. Are you interested? Do you want to go deeper in your faith? Do you want to be more equipped to give answers for the hope that you have in the public square? Well, check it out today. It's thetruthacademy.com, thetruthacademy.com. Sign up today, find out all the information, and get equipped. God bless you. And shall I today make you wander with us? Well, here's the king speaking to these committed Gentiles. While I go where I will, I don't even know where I'm going. Look, this is a repeat of the Saul stuff, where he wandered in the wilderness and hid in caves from the crazed King Saul. David had to be saying, man, I'm doing all this all over again. I'm too old for this, Lord. Huh? Maybe 60? When I earlier in the wilderness, I was young. It was easy to jump down from rocks and hang out in caves. I'm 60. <laughs> you can only relate if you're around that number. Yep. It doesn't sound so good. A Winnebago sounds much better than a cave. I know you people like to camp. And you talk about your roasted marshmallows and your campfire songs. I'll take the Winnebago. Air conditioning. Electronics. <laughs> All right, we'll leave that alone. I don't even know where I'm going. That was part of the sermon, by the way. I'm going to be wandering around. Return and take back your brothers. You don't want to be with a guy like me. Mercy and truth be with you. 21. But Ittai answered in the king and said, as the Lord lives, this is the language of an oath. As the Lord lives and as my Lord the king lives, surely wherever my Lord the king may be, whether for death or life, if we live or if we die, I am going with you. There's no place else I'd rather be. This is almost like the book of Ruth. With Ruth and Naomi. And, and she says, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Where you live, I will live. Where you die, I will die. Can you imagine how this must have thrilled David's heart? You have a friend who's more committed to you, a Gentile friend, than your own son. And Jesus came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be the children of God. And Jesus would say to people, you're my family if you do what God says. Who is my mother and who are my brothers? The ones who hear the word of God and do it. And they said, 
And I think he was speaking on behalf of all the men. We're not going anywhere. If we die with you today, then we die. What a great commitment. What a great statement of faith. Oh, that we would have similar bravery when God calls us. Therefore, David said to Ittai, go and pass over. So Ittai the Gittite passed over with all his men, all the little ones who were with him. While all the country was weeping with a loud voice, all the people passed over. The repetition of crossed over, passed over is almost the reverse of coming into the promised land. It's like, are the promises of God over? Is Jerusalem done? Is the city of David done? Is this reign over? And they wept, 23, lots of weeping, their homes, everything being left behind, the glory of the kingdom. All the people passed over. The king also passed over the brook Kidron. And all the people passed over toward the way of the wilderness. Scholars uh, talk about the wilderness tradition. And Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Then they crossed over into the promised land. And now the reverse is happening. They're crossing the Kidron, which, by the way, in the Old Testament, oftentimes people who were exiled from Jerusalem, the final piece of the exile was to cross over the Kidron, which in the winter would flow. But uh, if you go to Israel today, it's actually, uh, at least when I was there, dried up. It's kind of the, the point where you leave the city and begin to climb up the Mount of Olives. Now, we're going we're gonna to stop here in 2 Samuel, but I'm going to take you now to a scene in the New Testament and this will be our conclusion for this morning. It's in John 18. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John 18. And I just want to paint a quick picture and tell you about the link between David and Jesus. Jesus went through what's called the upper room discourse. John chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 are probably the last 24 hours of Jesus' life. So those treasured chapters about Jesus washing their feet, telling them to love one another, telling them that there was a heaven, promising the Holy Spirit, the vine and the branches, the encouragement that he gives there, and then his high priestly prayer in John 17 all happen in the upper room around the events of the Last Supper, just so you have a timeline. And Jesus prayed for them, and he prayed that they would be one and that they would love each other, and that they would spread the news that the world might know. And after he prayed his high priestly prayer, John 18.1 records these words. When Jesus had spoken these words or prayed that prayer, John 18.1, he went forth with his disciples over the ravine of the Kidron where there was a garden into which he himself entered and his disciples. And I want you to see this for a second. A thousand years between David the king and the ultimate king Messiah, David lived a thousand years before, Jesus will repeat the steps of David. He will leave the city because they have rejected him as king. They will not accept him. They say, this man will not rule over us. And he says, your house, if that's the way you want it, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, your house is left to you desolate. And the sons of the kingdom, they should have been, the Pharisees and the Sadducees conspired against him, brought false witnesses. 
Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him, which will happen a little bit later. And over the Kidron, he crosses, repeating the footsteps of David. And into the Garden of Gethsemane, which is part of the Mount of Olives, he goes. And in that garden, he says, Father, three times. I think Mark's gospel says he threw himself to the ground on his face and said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And what did Jesus know? That the betrayer, Judas, the phony, the New Testament Absalom, had already told him where he would be, already had uh, legions of soldiers coming, and would identify him with a kiss. And the Old Testament story of David is being lived out in the New Testament, greater David Messiah. And what's the point? Why did Jesus have to leave Jerusalem? Why was he rejected by the sons of the kingdom, if I can put it that way? Do you know why? Not for his sins. But he was being treated as though he had committed David's sins and your sins and my sins. Why does he... Why does he walk that walk? Do you know this is the only mention in the New Testament of the Kidron Ravine right here in John 18? And the link is there. It's unmistakable. And he doesn't do it because he had done something wrong. He doesn't do it because he sinned, because he never sinned. He was without sin. But he walks across the Kidron where often the blood of sacrificial lambs would be drained from the temple. He crosses the blood, if you will. And he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane knowing that he's going to face the darkness of the cross, betrayal, conspiracy, all because he loves me and you. Betrayed, conspired against, completely innocent, and then he'll go to the cross and be treated on the cross as though he committed our sins, though he was completely innocent. This is the majesty of the Bible. This is the majesty of your king. This is the majesty of the one who loved us to the end. Father, as we ponder the scriptures, the mastery of the way you have weaved these stories together all of us, I think, in this room probably could relate to betrayal and maybe even being conspired against. And maybe, Lord, if we're going to be honest, maybe we've betrayed some people and conspired against some people and manipulated our way, at least in the past. And if you, O oh Lord, kept a record of sin, O oh Lord, who could stand? But on that dark night, the night before Jesus died on the cross, when he crossed the Kidron, I believe that he had to have, at least in part on his mind, this story. Absalom. Betrayal by someone who was supposed to love us the most. And we all have our pains and hurts, Lord. We have relationships that need healing. We have our hearts that need healing. 
And thank you that you took that walk across the Kidron and into the Garden of Gethsemane to deal with all of that junk, all of those hurts, all of those shortcomings, all of that stuff was nailed to the cross. It's no longer counted against us. And no longer do we have to be captive to it. We don't have to be a slave to sin, nor to what other people have done or thought or said. We're free because you made us free. You keep your head and heart bowed just at these moments of concluding this time in God's word. Would you just do some business with God If you're not a Christian, run to Jesus. He walked across the Kidron into the garden, allowed himself to be taken for you, went to the cross for you, rose from the dead for you, but you must trust him as your king and your Lord. Ask him in right now. Today's the acceptable time. Now is the time. Jesus, it's something like this, save me. Thank you that you took my punishment and my shame. Thank you that you went to the cross for me. Thank you that you died there for me as though you committed my sins. Thank you that you defeated death through the resurrection. I repent, pray it if it's you. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior and my King. Save me, Lord. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Give me a new heart and a new start. Are you a prodigal? Keep your head and heart bowed. Do you need to get back on track with the Lord? Maybe you're reeling from some decisions that you've made, but Psalm 3 and the other things that we have read is ministered to you, and you know that you just need to get right with God and just leave the rest to him. So I would encourage you, a prayer of recommitment. And then for all the sweet saints here, saints that are trying to walk the walk, Stay where they are supposed to be. Father, grant us mercy and truth and grace for all the Kidron brooks that we face and the Garden of Gethsemane that we go through. And help us to remember that you paid it all for us and we're free in Christ. And I pray that times of refreshing would come for those who maybe this story has hit really close to home and they just need some of the chains to fall. I pray that chains would fall and that you would grant freedom and refreshing as only you can. Just pour out your spirit on your people, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael Lance. I'm the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. Hey, I want to tell you something that's exciting happening here at the church. We have a college that we've started. We offer a two-year diploma in Christian apologetics and theology. We have two exciting classes coming up with great instructors. It's Hidden Riches of Church History from the Resurrection to the Reformation. And we have a class on Christian philosophy. How do we know what truth is? We're going to look at epistemology and some other subjects like that. Are you a working adult? Have you just graduated from high school and looking to go deeper in your faith? The tuition is very low and the instruction is excellent. And the classes start in July. Are you interested? Do you want to go deeper in your faith? Do you want to be more equipped to give answers for the hope that you have in the public square? Well, check it out today. It's thetruthacademy.com, thetruthacademy.com. Sign up today, find out all the information, and get equipped. God bless you. 
Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.